Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOT. And this week, we're going over UFC 269, headlined by a lightweight title fight between Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier. Not to mention in the co-main event, we got the women's bantamweight queen defending her title, Amanda Nunes, going up against Juliana Pena and looking to further cement her legacy. And yeah, I had to start the stream off with the teaser for the new uh, podcast. I'm my guy, uh, Clint, from Die Hard MMA podcast are going to be doing uh that kicks off january 5th uh it is a bi-weekly podcast that me and Co- uh, clint are going to be doing uh not so much focused on the mma betting side of things because me and him dropped a ton of content for you guys from the betting perspective on a weekly basis uh, me myself i drop about four videos a week and then obviously my guy clint has a ton of stuff that he does as well but Anytime me and him get him on a, on a podcast together and we try to break down fights, we always divulge into other topics and conversations and everybody and really has enjoyed that aspect of our uh, chemistry. So people have been hounding us to do a show together and we're finally going to do it. So uh, we're happy to bring you that Deadlock podcast starting January 5th, 2022. Like I said, bi-weekly, the first show is going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you guys tune in. But you guys are here for the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. You guys are here to break down the UFC 269 fights. And the weigh-ins just wrapped up about an hour ago. We did lose one fight. Uh, that, that one fight obviously being Alex Perez and Matt Schnell. Alex Perez was the one that missed by a quarter pound. But it was Matt Schnell ultimately who was not able to pass his medicals uh, after uh, he weighed in. And it's really looking like he should probably go up to 135 pounds because he's had consistent issues uh, either making 125 pounds or even making it to the scale for 125 pounds. Uh, and then obviously we know Priscilla Cashwara missed weight as well. Uh, but luckily I have somebody along with me that is going to help me break down this card. Now, uh, you, you guys know me. I've been bringing the heat with the with the coaches, with some of the fighters. But the main thing that I've really been trying to find with these coaches and fighters is guys that actually know what the hell they're talking about. You know what I mean? Like guys that bet money themselves or guys that know the majority of the card rather than just saying, you know, for for 75% of the card, that I don't really know this guy. But luckily, I feel like I have a guest that can provide us uh, with as much insight as possible. And before we even went live just now, he's like, I got a ton of bets on this card. So I can't wait for him to share them with us here. And uh, I had to wear the red and white. I had to wear the red and white for the Canadian that I'm going to be bringing on. And considering that he hails from Surrey, British Columbia, Canada, I thought I might as well start this podcast off by saying, Get down, Panchod. What's going on? (laughs) How you doing? I'm good, brother. I'm good. As soon as I saw you were from Surrey, I'm like, oh, crap. For for those not in the know, uh, the Punjabi and Sikh community is largest in Surrey outside of India. And then second would be Brampton, which is where I'm from in Ontario. So we yeah. got the Punjabi connection just <laughs> yeah. hitting strong oh, yeah. here. Brother. I Jeremy grew up ha- too, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm well aware. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you must have had your fair share of butter chicken and tandoori chicken oh, yeah. and all that oh, stuff, right? Too. Yeah, I, lo- I love tandoori. That's <laughs> for sure. The, the funny thing is where I'm from in Brampton, uh, growing up in like middle school and high school, the, the minority were the white kids and the yeah. black kids. Yeah. Is it the same for you in Surrey? Where growing up for sure. <laughs> yeah, so now, not- like, I haven't been back in a while, but every time I go back even further, like it's even more and more and more developed as like in, you know, Punjabi area. And it's, and it's, fucking, it's cool, man. I love, uh, it. I love it. I love talking to 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 my non-Indian folks that are from those like highly dense Indian areas. Because well, like my, all my childhood, like a lot of my friends, you know. So it's I still in communication with a lot of people, but everyone, you know, 
after high school, you know, you go your different ways, but still Surrey, British Columbia, that's my roots, man. <laughs> I gotta say, you probably have better Punjabi than I do. You, you probably know <laughs> I, don't know. Of those. I know the swear words, bro. That's all. Everybody <laughs> does. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you are fresh actually off of a win this past weekend over the El Matador, or uh, that's kind of redundant to say, yeah. El Matador Emmanuel Sanchez this past weekend at Bellator. Uh, great win for you, solid. You pull off the upset as I believe a plus 170 underdog as yeah. well. You even called out the odds makers after yeah. Fight as well, and then I hit you up. I'm like, Hey, you better have made some money off yourself. Yeah. And you're like, I didn't know if I could bet on myself. From what yeah. my understanding is, you can bet on yourself as long as you don't bet against yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of yeah. that's kind of the thing. So, uh, what are your feelings coming off of that fight? Like, where do you think that puts you uh, in the Bell Bellator featherweight rankings? Because Sanchez, you know, highly touted, had a couple title shots himself. Now you go out there and, and steal that thunder from him. What are your feelings off that win? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm riding high. It was kind of everything I anticipated. I knew as soon as I got this matchup, I was, I knew I matched up great. I was excited for it. I kind of had a feeling I was going to be the underdog just because of his name value. And, you know, but the strength of competition, a lot of people don't realize for me, like, yeah, I've only had a couple fights in Bellator, but I've been fighting on the top organizations for five years, you know, so from the UFC, PFL, a couple fights in Brave, now over to Bellator. So it's like, I, I'm, I'm up there. And so when they're thinking, oh, you know, Sanchez is a vet, it's like, man, I've had 20 fights too. So I, I wasn't too worried. It was more styles to make fights. And uh, I knew they were going to put him as the favorite. But when I saw the lines coming out, I was like, I almost wasn't going to look. I was like, I know it. I was like, it's going to piss me off. And then I saw the plus 175 and he was a minus 210. And I was like, man, you know, people should be making some money on this one. I, I didn't want to do it just because I've heard that you can bet – on yourself to win but i've never done it before so i was like i don't want the bad juju i don't know i superstitious nothing i was like i'll just leave the leave the this one alone but uh, i had to call him out man it, it bugged me so uh hopefully this next next fight whoever it is whatever it is the, you know i mean the lines did start to clear near the end i think it was like a minus 165 yeah 135 plus 165 kind of thing so it made me feel a little bit better i was like it doesn't matter it's all just smoke and mirrors but it's more of the respect thing and like what the bookies seeing you and you know they're 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 often they're right a lot more often than they're not so when i saw that it kind of gave me a little like i gotta prove these guys wrong you know so i i really think that there's something to the the hype tax yeah you know? i mean that's kind of what Lord. i call it and when a guy has a certain resume or whether he's had title shots in the past there's always a little bit of hype on it sean o'malley is another guy without like you know we're, we're going to talk about him a little bit later always yeah. has that hype tax on his name even the the Nurmagomedovs or like the the magomedovs all those russians they always get a hype tax and then we saw obviously rafian stats put a stop to that a couple uh a couple yeah. months ago when he was able to pull off that major upset over magomed magomedov so uh it, have you seen or has anything from your perspective as a fighter? Yeah. Sorry, Sorry, I made money on that one. That was a while ago, but there I, you go. I was like, this kid, this kid can wrestle. I was like, oh, yeah. So, the lines so, were pretty big on that. It's like a plus yeah. 50 so, or something. Yeah, yeah that, that's what I was going to ask you in terms of since you started betting a little bit more um, – you know a little bit more purposefully if you want to call it that uh, have you really changed anything as a as a mindset of a fighter like has it really changed anything from you from that perspective like does it open your eyes to anything like what, what can you tell big me about thing, that yeah big thing for me was i went so long without a fight that you know a lot of my friends during COVID and everything everyone was getting into the stocks the crypto and all yeah. that and i was just like i was in over my head like that's a lot of homework you got to do and then i was like you know betting on fights i know it's it's gambling but it's the way i look at it it's very like i'll put invest money in in a for sure thing or invest money in a, a very like a, a good odds and 
it's just something I know so well. I've grown up my whole life around. I know how fights play out. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to invest in and in study into this. And this is my kind of my stocks, my side hustle. And it's something I know really well about. You get the inside scoop, you know, who's been training where, injuries, how guys bounce back, little things like that that I know the bookies are aware of. But me being right in involved in, in, uh, in the community, I, I feel like I get a little bit of an edge. Um, and just knowing how fights play out and you, you look at things differently as a betting aspect or as a fan. And that's the hardest part is like separating, you know, I like this guy and everybody's my friend now in the game. So it's like, I, st I used to always make uh, like event picks and I'll yeah. post it on my Instagram and then I couldn't anymore. Cause I had too many people like friends fighting each other and I'll pick one and they're like, what the hell? You don't have a tick on my face. And I'm like, so betting, I keep, I keep pretty private just because yeah. sometimes I'll lay money on somebody that, I know, but I, I don't feel too confident or, or whatever it is, but it's just a, it's a little thing that I keep on the, on the side for me that I just use my, uh, my education and, and my whole life. This is what I, this is my schooling. So I, you know, now I kind of like prosper on it and, um, I'm, I'm in, I'm in a plus, I don't bet huge money just cause yeah. I, I've never been a, a guy like that, but slow money is better than no money man yeah exactly exactly uh, i'm slowly starting to run into that where i'm like i know i'm gonna have some of these fighters or coaches on eventually that are either gonna call me out on betting against them or something like yeah. that and i'm just waiting for that day to happen <laughs> i'll say this i didn't bet on you last time around i, I did have a, a small play on emmanuel sanchez and a parlay as i yeah. did believe that he would give you some issues in terms of off of his back i think he's very offensive yeah. off of his back but you shut that shit down very yeah, well no, I, uh <laughs> I, I will say this also i i had a little grudge against you when you made your ufc debut because because you beat my guy Alex Ricci hailing from uh, Toronto uh, as well. Yeah, okay. Obviously, I had, a, I had some close ties with him working with some of the promotions that he was fighting yeah. for out here as well. And then when I saw that match, I was like, oh crap, Ricci's yeah. probably going to get Russell fucked here or something. And <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Yeah, you did a really yeah. good job in that fight. And it was kind of unceremonious in terms of how your UFC run came to an end, right? You had a three and one record, and your yep. last loss was to the now featherweight almost GOAT, Alexander yeah. Volkanovsky. What kind of happened there? And then we'll obviously get into the breakdowns here, but what kind of happened in terms of the falling out with the UFC and then ultimately? your departure from there yeah so i'm um, i was kind of in between management I, I was with first round for a while there and then there was just some some stuff in between us that you know you don't really did don't need to air but it was just yeah. kind of like kind of souring and then uh at the end i i got rid of them i left them and i had my one fight left on my deal but i was already kind of scheduled the fight i had to pull out with an injury and so i just messaged sean I was like hey let's rebook this and it was for australia and uh so i i had i finished out my contract i didn't re-sign or anything i was i was under no management just doing it by myself and then when the fight happened obviously it went the way it went and i was un not under contract um i was like okay well now what's next i was like hey sean like what do we do now like do i get a new contract whatever like i was just such a a kid and no guidance because i was just on my own and then he's like well we got the ultimate fighter that was when they did the 145 i think it was bryce mitchell's season oh yeah uh, one then they were doing contender series for the first year and it was all 45 or 55 signing a bunch of new guys and there was three and dana white's looking for a fight so there's three things avenues all throughout the summer that they were planning on signing a bunch of guys and they're like oh we want to hold off and then we'll, we'll look to like september october and that was after my first fight I mean, my first loss, and I was like, "Okay, no, I can't sit this long on that being my last performance." Yeah, summer, you don't, you don't want to yeah. do summer and stuff, yeah. Well, so I was like, I was still keeping that open, but I was also kind of just looking for other options as well, just seeing what I can get. 
and then Brave came to me. They offered me less money, but it was not bad money for especially at the contract I was at at the UFC at the time. Um, so I'll take a little bit of a pay cut, but they were going to keep me busy. They're like, oh, you know, if you sign this, we'll have you in, on a card in a month later. And so I ended up fighting August of that same year. I fought Volkanovski in February, took a couple months of negotiation. So I signed with Brave and I was like, hey, you know what? I had a UFC out clause with them. So I was like, I'll go get a couple fights and then come back and at least I have no downtime. And so I ended up having the two fights. Brave won those, but uh, at the time, that's when I signed on with my manager now, Ali, uh, with Dominance. And he had a great deal with PFL. So I just yeah. ended up going that route instead. You know, I, I jumped on the money, jumped on the opportunity of a tournament. And then now I've kind of gone a whole different way. And now I'm finally at Bellator here. And I love it, man. It's my home. Yeah, it, it doesn't really always need to be UFC or bust for a lot of guys. Right? Like, you've been there. You're exactly. You've been there. You've done the job. And, and you have a damn good record to, to boot as well, right? Just to have losses yeah. to, to guys like Adam Borgs and Alexander Volkanovsky. Those are top guys in the in that division as well. So yeah. uh, I know even if you were to get that rematch against Adam Borgs, I'm sure you have a different game plan that you want to go into there with and try to implement. And I'm sure that's one that you're, that you're banking on to get in the very new future here in Boston. I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jeremy, we're we're here to break down UFC 269. I really like to you know pick the brain of the guests a little bit before we get going. Uh, but everybody wants to hear our thoughts on the fights that are happening tomorrow night. Yeah. So, uh, but before we do kick it off, uh, this is the ultimate weigh-in show, right? Uh, we'd like to take a little bit of a perspective in terms of what fighters look like on the scale. So, I want from your perspective as a fighter, uh, one: Have you ever had a really bad weight cut where you're like? I don't know if I'm gonna make it to the scale. And two: What is your uh, uh, perspective on? If a guy looks bad on the scale, he's more than likely going to perform bad in the cage. I've had some coaches tell me that they believe it's the replenishment that requires the fighter. Like they they need they need to go there and put the weight back on properly, no matter how they look on the scale. If they put the weight back on properly, they'll be fine on fight day. What what's your perspective from a fighter's uh, perspective uh, regarding weight cutting and and what fighters look like on the scale as opposed to into the cage? Yeah, I think the rehydration is one hundred percent is what it is. I mean, you can. You can hurt pretty bad on a weight weight cut, and with the weigh-ins being in 9 a.m. Pacific here, um, you get like, especially if the fight's later on in the card, those guys are getting like, you know, 36 hours, like a full day and a half. That's like you could go through the worst weight cut and be a whole new person by the time you're fighting. It's the the fights that are like first on the card where you know that you know they're they're roughly banking on like 24 to 30 hours of weight rehydration, and if they had a real bad cut. I still, you know, they'll come out good, but it's the, the longevity. You know, the third round, that's when they'll start to fatigue because the body is just, it went through hell the day before. Um, I've, had a, I've had a cut like that, and that's what kind of taught, you know, I've trial and error through my whole career. And it was uh, against uh, um, Kyle Bokniak in New York, Long Island, uh, 2017. And uh, that was my, the hardest weight cut. It was just a nasty one. You know, things are, are supposed to line up, and they weren't. You know, they had a shuttling to... Um, a rec center for the sauna and it was all over the place. I didn't have a scale. It was just, oh, it was a messy, messy one. Um, and I felt like, like crap there it took forever to cut the weight. And then uh, once I got rehydrated again, didn't rehydrate properly. And I ended up, I won the fight, you know, but uh, I felt it in the third round. I was exhausted. I was like, man, this is, I never want to feel this feeling again in a fight. So ever since then, I've just, Dot the dot of the eyes, you know, across the T's, made sure my my weight cuts on point. But it definitely affects guys. I think third round, later on, especially if you're early on in the card. 
it's it's honest, honestly i never even took that into consideration is like because the ufc event runs six hours which is oh, you know, you, right yeah. and then those guys first on the card obviously have a little less time to properly rehydrate well, you and all think, stuff. sorry you think you're you're fighting at 3 p.m pacific you're the first fight of the card yeah your call time's got to be you know one, maybe noon one o'clock so you're not really your your fight day nerves your your crapping your your peeing everything like crazy you know can't really eat very solid Damn. good food so you pretty much just have the day before where yeah. if you're fighting at like 9 p.m the main event co-main event you've got you wake up in the morning and you got all day like a whole nother full day to to be yourself you know I love that perspective. I'm glad that uh, you're able to provide us with that. Again, that's why I like having guys like you on that can give us that type of perspective. It's something small, but again, I think it does uh, in the long run lead up to to something that uh, we need to take into consideration. All right, first fight of the night, uh, and it's actually the one that uh, missed weight. We got Priscilla yeah. Ashura weighing in at 129 pounds, missing the flyweight limit by three pounds. She's going up against our fellow Canadian, Jillian Robertson. Uh, in terms of odds, heavy chalk here on Jillian Robertson, who's coming in, uh, I believe, my, uh, minus 325 now uh okay. sorry my yeah minus 360 plus 325 the return on priscilla cashuera uh pretty simple fight to break down in my opinion right julian robinson needs to drag this fight to the ground to have the optimal amount of success uh she's one of those girls that seems like she goes submission over position so sometimes yeah. so kind of go for a rear naked choke or a triangle and not really have it fully in and then ultimately fall off on top or or give up the top position to her opponents uh but at times i kind of like that for uh if i'm looking to bet the fight doesn't go to decision which i think is a pretty damn good spot here considering that i do think she has a tremendous advantage that once this fight hits the ground i do think she'll be able to snatch up a neck uh on the flip side with priscilla castro she wants to keep this fight on the on the feet and honestly i say this with the utmost respect i don't think she's the greatest fighter in the ufc i think she's <laughs> probably like the top five or the bottom five percent of the ufc in terms of talent yeah. but she has that heart and that durability and that that ko power at 125 pounds for women uh and I think that if she does survive the, uh, the ground game here against Jillian Robertson, she should have some success later in this fight. However, I don't think that Robertson has as bad of a gas tank as what Gina Mazzini showed in her last fight, where she had tremendous success in that first round, grounding Cashuera, uh, but Cashuera kept getting back to her feet, and then she just gassed herself out. And then at the end of the second round, we obviously saw Cashuera knock her out. <clears throat> I got Robertson here, though. I, I, honestly, I think she gets a takedown here. I think she snatches the neck within the first five minutes of this fight. Uh, Carlaying Robertson, don't really mind, but even the fight doesn't go to decision because that potentially covers a later cash wear finish as well. Uh, I like Robertson. I like the fight doesn't go to decision, which currently sits at uh, minus 185. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this fight? Do you, do you share the same sentiments, or do you think the cash wear has a little bit of a shot here? Yeah, no, I, I pretty much think you, you've nailed it there, um, especially with the weight miss. You know, I, I don't think she's going to have the game plan of dragging this fight out, tiring Robertson and, and getting the late finisher or anything like that. It's grappler versus kind of striker, you know, uh, somebody who needs the striking, I guess. But it's not like I don't think there's going to be a huge level of difference in the striking between the two either, um, especially enough to, to warrant a finisher or outpointing to a decision or anything like that. So I think uh, safe money would be on, on Robertson. I like it. I like it. Uh, shout out to our guy, Wakas. You're absolutely laying it on the table. Jeremy beating Sanchez cost me 1K. But in that bout, I find me a good uh, fighter going forward. Amazing grappling skills. Very patient. Sticks to the game plan. There you oh, go, man. Jeremy. There you go. You got a fan of it. Sorry about the money. Sorry about that. Sorry. Shout out to my guy, Beltbetter here. Great question. What is normally your diet plan uh, after you cut weight? After you make the weight, what do you tr try to do you have like a, yeah, a yeah, I got a rehydration like uh 
Processed. Biggest thing is 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 no no food, even though how bad you want to. Like everyone's like been dying for eating whatever, and you can't jump off the scale, drink a little bit of water, and start you know inhaling food. You're gonna end up throwing that up. I've been there, done that a few times. <laughs> too. Um, the hard way. <laughs> yeah, I work with Charles actually. He he's a good friend now. Who the the rehydration, the nutritionist at the PI, the UFC PI there. So he always you know helps me out, gives me a little um, like protocol to follow. And majority of it, it's like a lot of like the electrolytes and carbs and stuff like that. And I'll do that for the first hour, just all fluids. And then I start getting the food in. And uh, for me, I'm a guy that I like the same thing always. And my go-to is I go chocolate covered pretzels and uh, peanut butter and jams with honey and banana sandwich, just like all the carbs I can. And then, and then it's like normal breakfast food, whatever, pasta at night and stuff like that. But it's the pretzels and the, uh, peanut butter and jam sandwich that I can't wait for. I love it. Well, <laughs> if you have a ritual and if you have a process, stick with the process. Oh, yeah. Hey, don't get too crazy with it. I was 170 this last one. Holy 171 crap. 145 that, that night. That is insane. That is insane. It worked out. It worked out. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got a, a bantamweight scrap between Randy Costa and Tony Kelly. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 175 for Randy Costa, plus 155 on Tony Kelly. Uh, I'm pretty invested in the fight. doesn't go to decision in this spot, man, because Randy Costa is a banshee when he comes out there and fights. Yeah. Uh, you know, we obviously saw it last time around against Adrian Yanez, putting the heat on him for about four minutes, and then it seems like he starts to slow down. At the ending of that first round, you see the tides start to turn, and which I find hilarious, or well, actually not hilarious, but weird, because you have... Normally, at least from my uh, studies and, and and experience, seeing fighters when they have success, they don't really gas out, right? Like they have that mm -hmm. confidence and that kind of fuel them. Whereas Costa, it seemed like, you know, no matter how much success he had early in that fight, he was still going to gas out just because he couldn't keep that up uh, with the pace that he was really putting on Giannis. And then obviously we saw Giannis dispatch with him in the second round. That's the second time we've seen Randy Costa touch up an opponent for five minutes and then fall uh, short in that second round and then end up getting finished because more often than not, he's finishing these guys early in his fights. Now, Tony Kelly, eight fights into his professional MMA career has yet to be finished. And I see that's the reason a lot of people are thinking that this fight won't finish inside the distance because it's going to be hard to put him away. But when you only have eight fights, you really haven't been tested, right? Especially against a, a heavy, unorthodox striker that he's going to be getting here against Randy Costa. However, I can't pay minus 175, minus 200 on a guy that shows that he has, I don't want to call it quit, but like, you know, a little bit of folding over when things aren't going his way anymore and yeah. kind of gives up the, the finish there. Uh, the, the official prediction is Randy Costa first round KO, but I like the under one and a half here around plus 110. Either Costa kills him earlier, I think that Tony Kelly eventually drags him to the ground and strangles him. Uh, but the fight doesn't go to decision, I feel like is a can't miss spot here. I'm sure it's up to about minus 350, minus 400, a little bit chalk, but I think it's more than deserving of it. I think Costa, Costa KO round one, but Kelly can absolutely steal this in the second or third rounds. What are your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, like it, you say a lot about the 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 experience, and I think Costa the same thing. I think he debuted at four and one, which I thought was crazy. Yeah, you know, just uh, and and he's learning on the job, you know. So it, it's it's hard to lay money or be confident on guys with under ten pro fights because you never know. He, like we we're talking about the weight cuts, you don't know how he's rehydrating or how he's how his, his camp went when he gets in the cage is he seeing things like guys with the the over 15 20 fights they've kind of seen it all and you you know you know they're prepared and i think uh yeah that one that one's a hard for me but i'm definitely taking costa as well i still think he could, he's like the more pretty fighter you know i think even if it were to kind of go past uh one and a half two i still think he'll win a decision so i'm i would put 
money on Costa, but I think you're right, and I think he'll get the job done early. And uh, but even then, I don't I don't see him uh, wilting or folding this time around. I don't think Kelly's that kind of uh, danger. But Yanis is a is a savage man. You can see what he's done, so it's it it shows a little bit of a blueprint. But at the same time, strength of competition is important on that one. And uh, I, I think you're right. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> Randy Costa was 4-0 coming into the UFC with four, no four. more than three minutes of fight time, professional fight time, before he made his UFC debut. So uh, big shout out to him uh, for actually uh, pulling that off. And uh, yeah, down the right time for MMA, I think that they're going to be able to kind of morph him into a much better fighter here. All right, let's move on to the next fight uh, in your division here at 145 yeah. pounds. We got Ryan Hall going up against Derek Minner. In terms of odds, we're looking at uh, minus 190 for Ryan Hall, or yeah, minus 190 for Ryan Hall, plus 165 the return on Derek Minner. Uh, I'll actually let you kick this one off. Uh, what, what do you yeah. think about this weird stylistic matchup between these guys? I've been, I've been bouncing around on this. You know, it's so many questions. You know, you know, Minner's a, a hammer. You know, he always comes out so hard, but then he kind of starts to fade off too. You know, you've seen that in a few of his fights, especially the Herbert Burns one kind of comes to mind. Um, he's putting it on him and then he, he ends up getting submitted, you know, and uh, – but with Hall, it's it's so hard because you don't know how he's going to show up. Is he going to be diving for ankles or is he going to be doing, the, you know, the spinning wheel kick and keeping you really at bay, you know? And I still think – I think uh, I would go – fight doesn't go decision and I'm going to take Hall. I still I think he'll he'll snatch up a sub probably later on in the fight, though. I don't think super early because Minner is a, a prompt, like a, a good grappler. But I just think he needs to get into the fight first and then he kind of always slows down a little bit. Um he looked good his last one, but uh, he's on a, a couple tear, isn't he? Or no, he's I know uh, Derek Minner. Minner uh, yeah, he lost he lost, his he's lost his last to Elkins, but Rosa yeah. and Laramie and, yeah. and Laramie's tough too. But he, he caught him in that guillotine. Um, I don't think he's gonna have be able to out grapple Hall, and I think that's his only route to winning. Um, Hall's very good at defensive striking. You know, he's been in there with a lot of guys, and he's been able to avoid taking too much damage. But again, age comes into it at some point. Um, I don't think this one though. I'll, I'll take um, Hall by by sub or but just fight doesn't go the distance. If we're going a little bit more easier, I, I don't know the exact odds on that. That's going to have to be you. But uh, <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah. Uh, fight doesn't go to decision is currently sitting at minus 205. So some chalk there right. in terms yeah. of seeing that one. But I, I completely understand it. Uh, Derek Minner, obviously, the last time he got his hand raised was by decision, which is a very weird thing and very rare thing for his career. Considering yeah. the last time he won a decision fight was six years prior uh, when he was still on the regional scene over there. I was able to pick up a win. But that Charles Rosa fight, I feel like was a great stylistic matchup for him because Rosa, BJJ black belt, but seems to be a little too content with being off of his back or even has issues in terms of getting back to his feet. Uh, and Derek Minner took full advantage of that. He's a hard he's, guy to put away too. Yeah, he is a hard guy to put away for sure. We've seen him in very tight submission uh, attempts before. Just go watch, go watch that Bryce Mitchell fight mm -hmm. back again, and you'll see exactly from there. I but, chose for days. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, earlier in the week, I, I was leaning Derek Minner uh, by decision here. I thought he would kind of stay away from the crazy antics of Ryan Hall. You know, a lot of that spinning shit or even those Eminari roles. I feel like if he stays away from that and just gets off a little bit of his offense, that could be fine. However, I, I just can't get over that cardio issue that he seems to have as well. Yeah. Right? Like if he goes balls to the wall and starts to gas himself out like he did in the Darren Elkins fight, uh, he could find himself in trouble here. Uh, the spot that I'm actually considering uh, is Ryan Hall to win in round three at 
at plus 1,000. I think that's a damn good spot here as I could see him kind of just wearing out Derek Miner and then eventually finding that finish. Uh, Again, my my prediction earlier in the week was Derek Miner decision. I'm more than likely going to be moving off that. I I want nothing to do with that fight, honestly, other than that crazy prop that I just laid out as well. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. Uh, And we're going to be talking about flyweights between uh, Aaron Blanchfield and Miranda Maverick. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 140 for Miranda Maverick and plus 120 the return on Aaron Blanchfield. I'm not a big fan of when the UFC does this, when they put together very solid prospects, right? They did it in Miranda Maverick's last fight when she went up against Macy Barber. Uh, I believe, and everybody believes, that she actually won that fight. Macy Barber comes out and ends up getting her hand raised that night, however. Uh, But now she's looking to bounce back against Aaron Blanchfield here. Very solid prospect herself, like I said. Uh, Her bread and butter is her jiu-jitsu game and her wrestling game. If if she's able to get the fight to the ground, she does a good enough job in terms of keeping her opponents there. Her striking game is ever-developing as well. She was able to decapitate Victoria Leonardo a couple fights ago. But even uh, you know, in her last fight against Sarah Alpar, she showed some good hands and then blended in some good takedowns behind that. I know that's something uh, that, that a lot of fighters uh, try to do uh, as masterfully as they can, right? Like, th- there's no point in shooting naked takedowns because more often than not, your pay- your your opponent's going to see it unless you have a high level wrestling game like my guy Jeremy, right? Jeremy over here. <laughs> but like, so, so, but some guys, uh, they really need to put some punches and kicks together first to, to be able to draw out that high guard and then eventually go down and, and change levels and get that takedown. Uh, that's exactly what I think that Aaron Blanchfield need to needs to do here. I like her output. I think she's going to have the slight striking advantage in terms of being able to produce more output and more volume and then chaining uh, rest. Uh, attempts behind that I think will be her key to victory here. Miranda Maverick could absolutely do the same thing, uh, but I think that she relies... excuse me, a little bit more on her physicality than her actual technique to be able to get her wins. I will say this. I know she moved up to Team uh, Elevation over there in Denver. I love those guys over there. They have a great uh, squad of gals that she can go out there and train with, but I just don't know if that's going to make a difference here. I do think that Blanchfield is the truth, and I do think that she'll come out with her hand raised. Uh, I think she's a decent underdog spot here at plus 120 as well. Uh, are you familiar with these women, Jeremy? And, and ultimately, what are your uh, thoughts here? I'm not. Yeah, honestly, I've, I've just heard maverick a lot you know i I, i'm not too uh educated on the female divisions especially the 125 you know i follow the the straw weights um and then a lot of the especially the my my weight classes and uh but yeah this one it's hard to to keep up on and i was kind of just like taking notes from you actually on that one so i was like i'm gonna pass on this but uh now i'm gonna probably lay some on on Blanchfield. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a close fight, man. Personally, yeah. I don't have anything shelled out on it right now myself, but if I were to to put a bet on it and you're putting a gun to my head, I, I got to go with Blanchfield, man. I think she shows a little bit more. And obviously, we spoke about it a little bit earlier. Level of competition is a big thing, and I feel like Maverick has obviously been, been, been fighting the better competition, but I think that at a certain point, uh, Blanchfield finally getting her due to to fight a legitimate competitor, and I think she'll end up showing up. So uh, my money is going to be on Blanchfield if I do pull the trigger on this fight all right let's move on to the next one here we got a middleweight scrap between andre munez and eric anders in terms of odds uh we got minus 150 for andre munez plus 130 the return on eric anders a very underwhelming performance from anders last time around against jaren stewart where he just he got eight minutes of control time pushing him up against the cage landing a takedown or two and really just grinding out there and stewart in those spots uh and, and i believe that this is going to be his f- a third training cap now over there at fight ready i love those guys down at uh arizona um eddie cha santiago de franco doing wonders with eric anders game and i'm really hoping that the fact that the f- last fight was at 205 pounds 
just that extra weight probably just caused Eric Anders to be a little bit slower, a little bit more lethargic because when they fought at 185 pounds the fight before, he was absolutely putting it on Darren Stewart and unfortunately uh, hit him with an illegal strike uh, and that fight ended up going to a no contest. Uh, I think he will be able to stop the takedowns here of Andre Munez. I think he's a stronger, more physical guy. Uh, and I think he will be successful in terms of sprawling and brawling. I've been yeah. seeing him talking about that throughout this fight week in terms of his interviews. Uh, the guy will be able to stop the takedowns, in my opinion. And then from there, should be able to kind of put to, uh, put together some combinations and some clinch work to really hurt uh, Andre Munez and, and work him out over the 15-minute the mark. So I actually like uh, Anders. I see this fight going the full 15 minutes as well. I do think that we see this go to a decision. Uh, but I do think that we'll see uh Anders get his get his hand raised here simply by sprawling and brawling what are your thoughts on this matchup yeah I mean I, I'm not too sure on Muniz um I know Anders really well you know he's a good friend of mine he's been out here in Vegas a lot too so I'm I got like the the heart and the brain going with him um and I think he he performs way better at 185 you know a lot of guys always say when they don't have to cut weight they feel better but I think at that size when he gets to 205 he's just a little too lethargic you know a little too slow and even seems to fade, even though he's not cutting weight, you know, so I'm bigger, stronger guys. So I think this, this fight, it, you know, Anders, again, like I say, I'm going to take Anders too, and I'm going to take it on the over. I have it on the, the prop here for me is over one and a half. And anytime I see a, a one and a half, I always jump on it. You know, I think it's, especially in MMA, you know, it's pretty easy to the fight to last over that long. So that, that's what I'm personally going for. Um, it's, it's minus 150 for me, but uh, I'm still taking that. That that's a sharp ass look, man. I I honestly uh, overlooked the totals for that, and I uh, kind of surprised. I don't know why I thought it would have been at two and a half, but even at one and a half, minus one fifty five is a damn good spot because uh, right. I could definitely see this fight get dragged on a little bit. Uh, there is going to be some clinching and some grappling going on, and that normally does allow the fight to go past that one and a half round mark. Munez is obviously dangerous too, with his jujitsu. We saw last time where he was able to break Chakra's arm with one of the more nastier submissions that we saw. But yeah. Yeah, I like that over one and a half. Very sharp line there. I really appreciate you bringing that one up, my guy. Right. All right, let's bring on, move on to the next fight. Another middleweight scrap. We got Bruno Silva going up against the Beverly Hills Ninja, Jordan Wright. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus 325 for Bruno Silva and plus 285 the return on Jordan Wright. And all I can say, Jeremy violence man we got yeah, violence man. coming up here uh bruno Silva, obviously a tremendous knockout artist even when he's getting taken down and getting work from on top just as we saw in his last fight against andrew sanchez the guy has sustainable power he can keep that power from minute one to minute 15 and that's what he's shown in obviously in the andrew sanchez fight he sh showed it in his m1 run when he was fighting over there in the russian regional scene uh and i think he has a ton of heat he should be able to find that chin of jordan right here and put him down but i don't want to fully discount the beverly hills ninja for for a certain period of time he was a i'm not gonna lie he was a butt of the joke of the mma community because he was like king can crusher on the on the regional scene i think yeah, his yeah. uh the the accumulated total record of his opponents on the regional scene was like 10 and 70 something if i'm not I, i'm over exaggerating a little bit but it was really bad uh, then we obviously saw him going to the contender series and get deaded by Anthony Fluffy Hernandez within a minute of that fight. Obviously, that gets turned over uh, and, uh, or sorry, overturned. And we see Jordan Wright eventually make his way back to the UFC. Uh, has been able to provide us with some couple cool knockouts, obviously. Pro Jamie Pickett, uh, I believe, last time around. Uh, but I do think that this one will be a war. We should not overlook him at all. He's explosive. He's fast. He's got my guy, Anthony Hardonk, in his corner, uh, his corner as well, who's obviously a very accredited uh, striking coach as well. 
um, he could find that knockout himself. So the way that I went, uh, and I'm kind of hating myself a little bit for it now, I did parlay the fight doesn't go to decision when it was around minus 400 with Alex Perez. But as you guys know, Alex Perez is off the card now. Now I got two units straight here. at minus 400 on the fight doesn't go to decision. But I think even if you take the fight doesn't start round three, uh, I don't think that's a bad spot either at minus 285. Um, but uh, Bruno Silva by KO, that, that's probably the spot here at minus 165. How are you seeing this one go down? Honestly, that's right. Me too. I, I like I like Jordan Wright. I like his style. He's fun. He's good. But um, yeah, Bruno's a killer, man. Anytime a guy can go over there and, and do do well on a, a Russian organization like M1 and yeah. Be, be successful over there. He's been through a lot, you know, who knows what kind of travel that takes and experience in general, you know, and, and um, I, he's a killer since coming over to the UFC too. And I think he's a heavy hitter, two guys that are looking to strike. I see this fight doesn't go the distance and uh, I got Bruno Silva as well. I like it. I like it. All right. We're moving right on to a heavyweight scrap between Augusto Sakai, excuse me, and Tai Tuivasa, uh, pretty much a pick them here. Minus 105, minus 110 across the board. Uh, close fight, right? Heavyweight, anything could happen in terms of if a guy lands that perfect punch. But I think the more complete fighter here is Augusto Sakai, who uses his movement a little bit better, uses the overall MMA game a little bit better than Tai Tuivasa. Now, Tuivasa, when he uses his leg kicks, he can be dangerous. Obviously, he can immobilize his opponents. The guy has tree trunks for legs, but I'm sure the power off that is very nasty too. Uh, obviously, heavy hands as well. We've seen him go to decision a couple couple times uh but i think more often than not he needs that knockout to be successful especially against a more complete fighter here against a guy like uh augusto sakai i think the sneaky play here similar to the andre munoz and eric anders fight is actually the over the over one and a half is currently sitting at minus 155 sometimes these guys are more slow and plodding and we, we don't really get much action at times and i could see a couple clinch scenarios as well which kind of prolongs the fight uh, yeah, I like I like the over one and a half. I don't even mind the fight goes to decision if you like to sweat out a bet plus one seventy five for this to go the full fifteen minutes. I think it has a damn good chance considering the type of uh, the type of styles that we're getting here and how they're gonna actually uh, uh, how they're actually gonna clash when they actually step inside the cage here. I like Sakai. I like Sakai by decision personally. Uh, any thoughts on this fight? How do you see this car crash or lack of car crash going down? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't really touch heavyweights too often you know unless i'm super confident in something just because like you said anything can happen those big guys thrown and uh yeah you see you see you see them go to this decision a lot too it doesn't matter who they are you know it's just sometimes it's either a quick knockout or once they get a little fatigued and the fight starts to play out a little bit they kind of just coast all the way to the end you know you don't see too many late finishes you know especially in the, the outside of the top 10 top 15. um I think I think you got this too with uh, fight goes the distance. You know, I'd probably take Sakai as well. Just more complete fighter overall. I like it. I like it. All right, that brings us to the next fight. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this one. Uh, we got Pedro Munoz going up against Dominic Cruz in terms of odds. We got minus one twenty ish on Pedro Munoz and plus one hundred on Dominic Cruz. Uh, I'll actually let you kick this one off, man. What do you think about this bad weight scrap between two guys with some pretty decent styles? Yeah, you know, you pretty much know the game plans going into this. You know, Munoz is going to try to to walk Cruz down, and Cruz is going to do his Cruz's thing, and with the footwork and agility, you know, try to pick him apart on the outside. And it, it's it's just a really hard one to 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 nail down, just because you know that it's the game plans and who's is going to prevail. You know, and, and the consistency of Cruz is what kind of 
make you scared to, to lay it all on him. It's not the same guy as, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018. He takes a lot of time off. And when he's off, he's in the booth. So, you know, he's not in the gym training necessarily as hard as these other guys, young, hungry guys that are, are on the come up, you know, and he's, he's kind of comes in for his celebrity fights every once in a while and comes back out. So it's, it's tough to, to fully commit on him. Um, I think, you got over over two and a half, or fight goes to the decision. I mean, you're not you're probably not going to get very good odds on that. I think I have minus two fifty on over two and a half. Um, I still I think that's I don't think he'll uh, Cruz will get caught early. Um, and if I, if I was laying the butt laying the money, I would go probably Cruz by decision, just because the judges seem to really love his his dynamic footwork, and even on these close rounds, the the output and the punch stats and all that. He 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 usually gets a nod that way. Uh, Pedro's no joke though, but I'm I'm going Cruz by decision. Yeah, that's exactly the bet that I have on on this fight. I have plus one eighty five on Dominic Cruz. Uh, yeah, I, I personally I've been hearing both sides here i've been seeing uh people say pedro munoz is the perfect stylistic matchup for dominic cruz and even the opposite this is the perfect stylistic matchup for pedro munoz uh, I, I am in favor of this being the stylistic matchup for dominic cruz to thrive right uh, pedro munoz kind of just plods forward tries to throw big bombs and really tries to like knock your leg into that third row as well with how hard that he hits uh with those leg kicks and i know a lot of people going back and looking at that henry saludo fight and be like look look how effective he was with the leg kicks Pedro Munoz should be able to replicate that. And I don't think it's that simple because Casey Kenny tried doing the same thing too. He landed the exact same amount of leg kicks that uh, uh, Henry Suhudo landed, but it didn't nearly have as much damage or effect as it did uh, the last time that Suhudo was able to. Uh, Pedro Munoz is obviously a very heavy leg kicker, but it's more so than just kicking the leg. You got to draw out the leg. And that's what I've kind of been getting from uh, the guys that were over there helping out Henry Suhudo get ready for Dominic Cruz. It's like they were just using certain movements to try to uh, bring out that leg of Dominic Cruz so that they can that that they can attack it and they knew almost every time if they did a certain movement it was going to bring that leg out and they're able to attack it effectively will Pedro Munoz be able to do that personally I don't think so I, I think he's one of those guys that's just going to plot forward and try to just land his damage at any means necessary I know those guys that American top team are top uh tier coaches but when you have so many goddamn fighters to look after I'm not sure if they can look at that specific thing to be like hey you know this is what you yeah. need to do to to get they'll probably glaze over it but they won't say what the, exactly Pedro needs to do to go out there and actually bring that leg out so I think that could be one thing not to mention Dominic Cruz does a damn good job in terms of mixing in takedowns at least most recently um compared to just doing his old school Dominic Cruz uh moves right he has a very underrated wrestling game just because everybody talks about his striking and his movement but I think he should be able to uh be good enough to change levels maybe throw some feints in there with takedowns but then get back to that uh, figure eight style footwork movement that i believe he calls it uh and i think he should be able to decision his way to a uh or sorry i'll point his way to a decision victory here plus 185 for decision prop and his uh money line at plus 100 i think is insane because you might as well make his decision line his money line uh because that's how he wins man the last time yeah. he got a knockout <laughs> victory was to kaya mizugaki and i believe that was just a lot of pent-up rage having to yeah. to be off for as long as it was because of injuries comes back and knocks out mizugaki but pedro munoz has taken plenty of shots on the chin by much harder hitters cody garbrandt uh, uh you know a, a ton of guys that have hit him straight uh jimmy rivera as well and and uh, they were not able to knock this guy out. I'd be surprised if uh, Cruz puts his lights out. So, yeah, I'm on Cruz. Seems like my guy Jeremy likes Cruz as well. Yeah, War Dominic Cruz. Let's fucking go. Uh, yeah. Prelim headliner, 
We're going to try to keep bias out of this, my guy. So I know you are an extreme hard. couture man. We got Dan Ige representing uh, extreme couture. I believe our guy, Eric Nick six is going to be in his corner as yes, well. Uh, he's going up against Josh Emmett uh, in terms of odds. We're looking at minus 150 now for Josh Emmett plus 130 to return on Dan Ige. Josh Emmett actually opened up as a minus 225 favorite and uh, steady money, money has been coming in on Dan Ige to bring that line down now. Uh, curious to hear your thoughts on this one. Josh Man obviously coming off a lengthy layoff. He had an injury, not to mention a couple of deaths in the family that uh, I feel like he could kind of turn into motivation to go out there and really uh, try to perform to the best of his abilities tomorrow night. What are your thoughts on this matchup? And uh, I'm sure you've been working with Ige for this matchup. You've had uh, yeah. a couple of rounds with him. What can you tell us without really showing the cards? Here? Yeah, you know, this one's a hard one for me. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm just more, more so because I'm so invested you know, Dan's a good training partner of mine, and it's a tough, hard fight. You never want to see him be the underdog. I like the lines closing up, you know, um, rightfully so. Uh, a lot of money coming in on Dan. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a tough it's a tough fight. It's a firefight, you know. It's a, almost like coin flip in the sense of anything can happen in there. And Emmett, you know, he's a hard hitter. Dan's a hard hitter. You know, they're just going to come, you know, meet. And uh, – I, yeah, I want to stay away from all the predictions and all that too. You know, you don't know what what kind of game plans. You know, Alpha Male's coming in. They might come out and try to wrestle. Yeah. Like Zombie had some success. Um, I think Dan's going to be the faster, you know, sharper, quicker fighter. Um, but it, it's very tough. Again, Emmett's been off for two years. Yeah, 2019, I think it was. Uh, he fought. No, he actually fought June of last year, where he had that oh, crazy fight with, with Burgos. Uh, Burgos. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's still, I mean, a year and a half we're looking at and uh i think he had a couple surgeries a couple yeah. knee surgeries yet yeah, he's always had some stuff going on so it's you never know about what what kind of emmett's going to show up um just because he's had such a hard time staying consistently healthy um i'm sure he's, he's coming into this one good he looked good on the scale he looked good all around so i'm just looking forward to a good fight man and um i'm really hoping and wishing and putting it on on Iga here I'll give you the pass here in terms of not dropping a yeah, I, got it, I, got I completely understand it. I get it. I get it. Uh, and then I, I, I'm going to warn you, I say this with the utmost respect uh, in yeah. regards to Dan Ige. Personally, I think he's been a little bit of an overachiever winning fights that he probably shouldn't have ended up winning, right? The Mursad Bektik fight, the uh, Edson Barboza fight, like the guy. But then when he gets to that point where he's getting his main event slot, he comes up a little bit short. Whether it's the skill difference, you know, Calvin Cater, very tough opponent, obviously. Uh, and then obviously Korean Zombie, very tough opponent himself. Uh, I feel like this is one of those big spot moments where he might end up uh, letting the moment almost get to him. Josh Emmett, very skilled fighter in his own right. Very fun fighter to watch. Very difficult fighter to deal with, right? He seems like one of those guys that could use his wrestling effectively, but he just doesn't use his wrestling, right? He goes out there and just tries to throw his big bombs and tries to really hurt his opponent and get them out of there. Dan Ige, say what you want about him. Very durable, though. The guy can yeah. take a shot. Yeah. Very hard to put him away. I'm sure he's a, a very tough training partner as well to deal with when you guys are going out and having those rounds. Uh, but I think that Josh Emmett should be able to deal with any type of uh, approach that Ige has here. Uh, Ige might be the sharper and quicker striker, as you were saying, but I think he's going to have a hard time dealing with the power that's going to be coming back his way. Uh, if Josh Emmett goes out there and either you know looks to feign takedowns as well, looks to kind of change it up as much as possible, I think that will give him uh, uh, some tr solid success here. However, that layoff, everything that he's gone through it's a little bit too sketchy for me to truly uh you know trust him especially not at that minus 220 line minus 150 i'd consider it a little bit more but i think that this is one of those fights that we can even uh lean on the overs in this fight i do i do think both guys are quite durable over two and a half currently sitting around minus 190 
let's just leave it up to judges to to give us the 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 rightful winner but if it hits that over two and a half, I'd rather just bank on that than picking on a money line side here. So, yeah, I like uh, Josh Shemit. I'll take him to win this fight by decision, but not with the utmost confidence. Shout out to our guy, Eric Nixick, as well. Hopefully, uh, he's able to pull it off with our guy, Dan Ige. All right. Uh, we are about to jump into the main card here. Shout out to the 140 live viewers that we currently have. Uh, if you guys haven't already, make sure you guys hit that like and hit that subscribe. And I've already dropped Jeremy's Twitter handle and IG page, I believe, in the description below. So if you guys want to go give him some love, click that uh, link and then hit him with the follow. Uh, again, he's just engulfing himself in the MMA betting game. So you guys will definitely get some tidbits out of him as well. So make sure you guys go check that out. All right. First fight on the main card, Jeremy, here. I'll let you kick this one off. 135-pound fight between Sean O'Malley and Howley and Paiva. In terms of odds, as you expected, heavy odds here for Sean O'Malley. Minus 290, plus 260 the return on Howley and Paiva. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I got O'Malley. I think he's a little uh, high. You know, I, I still think he's the favorite. I, th I think he'll get the job done. I just don't like the odds on it. I don't think I would touch it at minus 300 or whatever he is. I think he's three. I have it at 310 here on, yeah. on my, my odds here. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's worth that, that value. Um, I definitely think he's going to win. Um, I think he's going to pick on the outside and it's going to be an over. That's where I would kind of go. I would go on the over two and a half. Um, <clears throat> or even O'Malley by decision. I don't think he's going to be able to put uh, Pavia away, but I think he, with his striking and his, his finesse, I think he'll be able to keep it away, and I think he'll be the bigger, bigger, stronger guy um, and not get out-wrestled or out-grappled that way and be able to find his way to his feet and uh, pick him apart to a decision. So I'd even take O'Malley by decision or the over at two and a half. Uh, I'm on the I'm on the uh, the the inside the distance here a little bit more. I know he went almost to full fifteen against Chris Moutinho last time around. I don't know what that guy's jaw is made of, but he was not going out at all. I know Paiva is a very difficult fighter to put away as well. Uh, we obviously saw that last time when he went up against Kyler Phillips. Uh, clear cut ten eight in that first round, in my opinion, for Kyler Phillips. Uh, and then Paiva goes out there and ten nights ten nines those next two should have been a draw. Paiva gets his hand raised regardless. Happy for me. I was, I was, I had a plus two thirty ticket there on Piva, regardless. So I was happy to cash that one. But in regards to this matchup, he gets hit way too much, man. His striking defense does not seem the best to me. And with a guy like Sean O'Malley, who just seems to be a little bit of a wizard on the feet, uh, you know, really is able to set up his traps and able to kind of uh, lead people onto his strikes. I feel as though he'll be able to do that effectively here against a guy like Holly and Piva. I still can't get that Eddie Wine the knockout out of my head. That's one of the yeah. great. And I think maybe knockouts. that's where. You know, like you get hung up on a on a previous fight, and I'm going off of the uh, uh, last fight against it was Chris, right? Moutinho, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, you know. So it's like you see that one, and that's the only one where I'm like, he couldn't put him away, but he landed like a million, hundred. Yeah, it was like yeah, two hundred and eighty or something. Some guys are just like that, you know. And I yeah, think he was yeah. having fun with him early on, faints, landing at like a hundred percent. So I mean, you're you you bring up a very good point. He has those nasty knockouts prior too, so. So sometimes the chin's there for guys. Sometimes it's not, right? Yeah, like right. the perfect example I like to make is Chris Gritzmacher when he went up against Alexander Hernandez, gets starched in 30 seconds, and then his next fight goes a full 15 minutes with another heavy hitter, and Rafa Garcia pulls off the upset, right? Like it's just it's night and day in terms of whether you're going to get guys' chins showing up or not, and that's exactly the question marks I have for Paiva this weekend. Again, never been finished by KO, but I feel like he hasn't fought a striker like O'Malley in the past, and given how hittable Paiva is, I'd be surprised if he takes uh, those shots flush on the chin over and over again so yeah i got uh o'malley o'malley by ko which i think is sitting around uh yeah plus 110 right now if i am making a play on that fight 
that's the one that I'm going with. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. Uh, the flyweight debut of Mr. Cody Garbrand, who looked damn good on the scales, in my opinion. I thought he looked, you know, a lot better than I expected him to look. He's going up against Kai Kara France. Uh, in terms of odds, we're looking at minus one forty for Cody Garbrand, plus one twenty to return on Kai Kara France. I'll let you lead this one off, brother. What do you? What do you? Yeah, think I mean. Cody, Cody scares me with his, you know, his demeanor and his fight IQ and getting caught up into brawls and <clears throat> for his first fight down, testing that, you know, that weight cut and that, that performance, Kai Kara France, you know, don't blink is not the stylistic matchup you would want to see. Um, I don't think it's a very good fight for him. Um, I think he'll be the, the, the bigger guy. He looked a lot bigger than Kai when the, at the press conference and he seemed to make the weight no problem. And, you know, alpha male knows how to rehydrate the, He'll be fine come fight night. Um, I think he'll perform well. I just think a lot of guys, you see when they drop, you saw it in, in uh, TJ, the chin's not quite as there. They can't take the same amount of punishment when, you know, they drop that much weight. Um, but I think I don't think Cody was ever a big big 35er, so I don't think we're looking at a huge, drastic guy coming way down. Um, I do think I it kind of gives me that, that Pedro Munoz kind of style fight. I think they're going to get – drawn up in a in a brawl and i think kai's gonna probably uh catch him that's where i'm i'm going on my dog i'm going the underdog on this one um and i'm gonna say fight inside the distance yeah i, I completely mm. understand your 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 uh rationale there that that was kind of my thinking as well going into this fight is like yeah go garbatton who's had a you know a little bit of a durability issue in his career now going down a weight class usually not, that's not the greatest thing for a fighter and now you're going up against a heavy hitter like high car that's that's a that's a that's a big uh step up as well not a step up but like a big concern obviously going into that fight for cody garbrandt um speed is obviously something that he's gonna have to get adjusted to going down a weight class as well you know 135 pounders those guys are quick but you know 120 25ers got to be the quickest in the game. Uh, so that's something that Cody should worry about here. But if it doesn't come down to the knockout, I truly believe that Garbrandt has the better game of both of these guys. I think he's the much more complete striker. You know, if we get somewhat close to classic Cody Garbrandt, he should be able to style on Kai Kara France here. Uh, I, I think if this fight does see the 15-minute mark, it's a Cody Garbrandt fight, man. I think that means that he plays a disciplined game, lands the strikes that he needs to. Maybe he might even drop Kai a couple times. You know, uh, I think that's where we start to see him start to take over. But if Kai lands that big shot, uh, he could be able to put out the lights of uh, Cody Garbrandt here. The way that I'd personally play this fight is uh, Kai Car France by KO at plus 300, and then Cody Garbrandt by decision, uh, which is currently sitting at plus 360. Those are two spots I feel like you'd make money regardless, you know, obviously giving the odds there. But call it me surprised if I see Kai Car France actually win this fight if it goes to a 50 minute decision. Uh, but yeah, I I'm going with Cody Garbrandt by decision. I think he stay away stays away from the big power and gets the strikes off. Uh, and my guy Jeremy sees the knockout here for Kai Car France. Now it is up to you, the viewer, to decide which one he trusts more <laughs> the fighter or some schlub that's sitting in here. No, uh, no, you on a couch. I'm, impressed. I'm impressed with the stats, man. I got to start watching. <laughs> can't do my homework a little bit more too <laughs> i got you i got you You know my dms are always open jeremy let's go yeah, let's yes, go. Sir. <laughs> all <laughs> right let's move on to the uh to the next fight here we got a welch wedge scrap uh barn burner i believe this one will be between jeff neal and santiago ponzinibbio and it's looking like 
Uh, it's an even money fight now. I, I did see some money coming in on Santiago Ponzinibbio earlier in the week. Uh, I'm seeing minus 110s. I see a minus 125 uh, is, the, is the biggest line I, I see for Ponzinibbio here. Obviously, the return on Jeff Neal, plus 105. Two strikers, uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio, a little bit more crafted using his uh, eight limbs compared to Jeff Neal, who seems to be a little bit more of a boxer with uh, a damn nasty high kick as well. Um, Jeff Neal riding a two-fight skid right now, uh, obviously against Wonderboy Thompson and Neil Magny. I think those two guys are some of the toughest stylistic matchups for anybody. I don't care who you are. If you get dragged into the game of a Neil Magny over, or even a Wonderboy, more than likely you're not going to be able to come out on the other side, especially if you don't have wrestling to boot. And that's not Jeff Neal's game, right? Jeff Neal is a striker. He likes to go out there and really put his hands on you. Uh, and I think now he's finally getting a willing dance partner in Santiago Ponzinibbio, who's going to be standing across from him, whether it's in the pocket or or whether it's in kicking or boxing range, they're going to be able to get their strikes off. Now, Ponzinibbio might be the more aggressive fighter here coming forward and throwing, you know, big shots and wallowing shots. But I think that's where we're going to see classic Jeff Neal come out, landing the straighter, crisper punches down the middle, countering effectively. And I think his straight down the middle, not to mention his head kick, is going to be absolute money in this fight. I got Jeff Neal. I got Jeff Neal by knockout as well. I think that he finds that shin of Santiago and puts him out here. If it goes 15 minutes... Yeah, I'll be sweating in a little bit because the judges could possibly sing that forward movement and aggressiveness of Ponce Nibio and possibly give him the fight. But I think people are just writing off Jeff Neal a little bit too quickly here. He was the favorite going in against Wonderboy. He was the favorite going in against Neil Magny. And now all of a sudden, everybody's just throwing him to the side. These are those moments as predictors and analysts. I feel like we need to take advantage uh, of the, the line, uh, maybe recency bias in a sense, to be like, let's not forget that this guy's still a damn good fighter. Stylistically, he had had horrible matchups last time around but now he has a fighter that's going to give him the fight that he wants and i think we see jeff neal come back to form last thing i'll say about this now I'll swing it on over to you i'm not i'm not rating or handicapping that that dwi thing that he had uh from I thanksgiving i really think i really think that was one of those like it's thanksgiving folks let him have a, had a drink and he was yeah. like over the limit exactly yeah if yeah. if he was like shit faced and if it was really bad i don't think he'd be fighting I don't yeah. think he's that guy that would have sabotaged himself to that extent of getting fucked up throughout training camp and then trying to go up against a, a nasty guy like Santiago Ponsonibio, especially yeah. after a two-fight losing skid. So let's cut him some slack over there. The guy showed up. The guy look, you know, looks mean. I, I like his get-up for the, the press conference yesterday that he had as well. I think he's game. I think he's ready to go, and I think he takes uh, Ponsonibio's scalp back home with him Ooh. to Texas here. So I like uh, uh, Neil, like I said, Neil by KO, currently sitting at plus 175. Jeremy, lay it on me, brother. How do you like that? Yeah, I'm – I'm gonna. I have to say the same on that deal. I think. I think he was just probably a little bit over the limit. He got a hard time. Unlucky. I probably had a glass of wine at dinner or something like that. It's Thanksgiving. Um, he looked in shape. I was. I saw him at the PI all week. You know, he's been here for a while. He's. He looked good. Um, I'm. A, I'm a bit of a sucker, man, for these these longer fights. You, you get two strikers. You get a little bit of gun shy. I don't think it's like the. You got two. You know, pretty technical, good strikers. You know, they're going to feel each other out a little bit. Um, I don't see it being a firefight right out the gate. They're not that that style. Um, I think they're going to try to find timing, find reads. And I'm going the the over one and a half I have here. It's minus 165, but anytime I see a one and a half, I'm, I'm a sucker for it, man. Like I said, especially when you get two guys, two strikers, yeah. But striking matches are chess matches too, you know, so I think uh, – it's going to drag out. I, I personally have Santiago, um, Santiago by decision or even late finish, but I, I think it's going over the one and a half. But um, I, it's it's more of a pick em fight for me. 
for for as for as winner, but as the fight's going to play out, I feel like it's going to go a little longer, and I'm going at over one and a half. Yeah, I do agree with that. I don't think that we'll see these guys throw it down right away. I do yeah, think it'll take a little yeah. bit of a while for these guys to get warmed up, and, and we should start to see it open up after that round and a half mark. I will say this. The last time I bet an over one and a half, uh, I hate over one and a half myself, personally. I'm I'm more of a violence guy. I try to find the violence uh, bets, honestly. Uh, the over last over one and a half I officially bet was Santiago Ponzinibbio against Li Jing Leong back in January. They paid patty cake for four minutes, and then they just uncorked these bombs and Santiago goes down. <laughs> and I was just so pissed off. I felt so good considering how that fight yeah. was going on. And then they just they just unleashed on each other. But again, I don't mind that over one and a half play. But I do think that eventually here, Jeff New is going to find that perfect shot and put Ponce Nibio's lights out. I can't wait for it. It should be fun no matter what the, uh, the, the outcome is there. All right, co-main event time. First title fight that we have of the night, Amanda the Goat. Quote. I'm calling her the Quote. Clarissa, well, yeah. she's move over. Sure, yeah, you lost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You lost. <laughs> you lose your privileges to Quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Amanda Nunes minus nine hundred uh, going up against Juliana Pena plus six hundred. Um, yeah, Jeremy, I'll let you kick this one off. Did you yeah. find anywhere that you can find value on the actually... Unders anything? What do you like? I had my notes here <laughs> for you. I was gonna like, what? What's he gonna tell me to do on this one? It's just, <laughs> I can kick it off if you want me anytime, to kick it off. I mean, anytime you got Nunez or you know Valentina or even Kayla Harrison in the PFL, you know, you you're always like that's for sure money. But the odds always come out, and it's like it's not even worth it. I know. You know? Um, minus one ninety five is what I have Nunez at. Um, Still, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't touch the the money line on that at all. You're kind of looking at props, and I, again, it's it's so hard because she's came out and I thought, especially her fights at 45, Nunes. It's always how 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 you think Amanda's going to handle the fights, you know. And at 35, she seems to be a killer, and then at 45, she seemed to coast through these for a couple fights. So I, I, I lost a lot, a lot on that Megan Anderson fight. You know, she came out and just blew right through her. And the fight before that, I think, was Felicia Spencer. And, yeah. and that, that one, five. All yeah. five, I think. You know, so you never know if she's going to go play what like, what game she's going to play. You know, if she's going to come out like a hammer or is she going to come out and be cautious and 50-45 these girls. Um, Pena is just a bit of a dog where I think she's going to come right at her and keep throwing. And I feel like Amanda's always fought better at 35. That's just her natural weight class. I think she tries to play smart, like safer, um, because I know she, we've had get gas tank issues way back in the day. You know, you can't really fund, you know, five rounds is hard for anybody. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. um, but I think, yeah, for me uh, on a, on a pick here, I, I want to go, I, I was leaning on, Nunes by decision, but then I was like, no, I watched the countdown. I watched everything. I was like, no, there's no way. I did a little bit more homework on. I was like, I'm going with second round TKO for for Nunes. She gets it done in the second round. I think the first round is going to play out a little bit, and and then she'll uh, impose her will on that second. And I think we'll even see Pena fade a little bit. I know she's got a good gas tank and she comes forward, but she's just too frantic. I think she's going to come in and just try to throw caution to the wind and buy into her own little game plan a little bit too much and just be a get overwhelmed after the first i was honestly since the moment megan anderson stepped inside the cage or into the ufc 
I was waiting for the moment she fought Nunes because I was going to hammer that under and that the first round, I knew that Nunes would dispatch of her quickly. I Just, don't, I, like I do it. not believe in Megan Anderson at all. Like she's yeah. intimidating. She's big. That's all she's got going for her. I don't think yeah. she's technically that good. You know, the normal Dumont fight, she one punch knocked out her knocked her out. But I felt like if that went on any longer, Dumont was probably going to take over. Uh, but yeah, against Nunes, I thought she was intimidated going into that fight. I'm sure you've seen the meme going around where she's walking through the UFC PI, just walking to the cage and she looks like ghost faced and looked yeah. like she just threw up or something like that. I, I just had a feeling that fight was not going to see the second round. And I'm glad yeah. that Nunes was able to get it done. But yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you where I've like uh, the Cyborg fight. I thought we'd see them kind of play it out a little bit yeah. longer. We saw uh, obviously uh, Cyborg go a couple rounds in the past as well. Uh, Nunes was starting to really flesh out her game and starting to go longer. And then these women just decided to say fuck it and throw bombs at each other. And that over ends up crashing there. Uh, and then even the Jermaine Aratomy fight. I thought that was a great fight for Nunes to get the finish. Drag the fight to the ground, choke this girl out. That goes 25. Yeah. Same thing in the Felicia Spence fight, but Felicia, I think she's the only one that can say she's gone 25 minutes with Amanda Nunes and 15 minutes with Cyborg, right? That girl is yeah. just so tough to put away. So, so good luck, uh, good job to her in terms of being able to survive and obviously happy retirement to her as uh, now as well as she's uh, hung it up. Um, but in this fight, I, the, the spot that I'm leaning to, if you're putting a gun to my head, is the over one and a half. I do think that we see this go over the seven and a half minute mark for Juliana Pena to have success. She's got to wrap her up, right? She's got to clinch her. She's got to drag her to the ground. That's her bread and butter. That's her sick jitsu roots where she needs to go and try to drag this fight to the ground and, and try to have success there. But I just don't think it's going to work out to uh, to to the rate that she's expecting it to. But if anything, it will help prolong the fight. And I think that's where Nunes is going to be a little bit careful in terms of not overthrowing early to potentially give up, give up a takedown. So my prediction was actually Amanda Nunes round three TKO. I'm completely down with that round two TKO as well. Uh, but uh, for legitimate odds, like not betting minus 900, uh, betting the over one and a half, uh, which is now currently sitting at minus 130, minus 125, depending on where you're looking at. I think that's probably the best bet here. Again, everybody loves to see uh, uh, Nunes go out there and decapitate somebody, but I do think it's going to take her a little bit longer here to uh, to do that. All right. We are at 160 live viewers now. I appreciate everybody joining us on this Friday afternoon. Uh, if you guys haven't already, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe, and then show my guy Jeremy some love as well. We got the link to his social medias in the description below. Hit my guy with the with the follow, and you guys will get all the insights for his upcoming Bellator fight, which obviously yeah. we don't know when that's going to be because yeah. he just got a dub this past weekend. Uh, what do you want next? Let, let's just do that before we get into the main event. Yeah, you know, what, what do you have your eyes on? What do you have your sights on? Don't give me the you know whatever rich chow. No, no. Don't give me that shit, no, Jeremy. No. Come on. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like you know, we were talking about that. That Adam Borks rematch is always there. I don't think that's going to come right away. You know, I'm. Anytime I get a, a mic in my face, I'm going to ask for it. I don't see it coming right now. I think they're they're holding off for him to give him something big. Um, then when the rankings came out, you know, they put me at seven. So I mean, Weichel's right there, but I really want that Pedro Cavallo fight. You know, so I'm going to push for that. But I don't know if. Everyone's kind of chomping at the bits at him. It's like all the sharks are circling him in the top five. So again, it's it. I don't know where we're gonna go from here, but anybody in the top ten. But I, I like Daniel Weichel or Pedro Carvalho, and then there's like that Borks rematch. But I'm just looking at you know enjoying the holidays, maybe get a new contract lined up, be permanent home in Bellator, you know, and, uh, and be happy and uh, see what see what they want to do with me there. Uh, any timeline? 
Any, any? I'd like to fight. You know, I've got a bunch of weddings. All of, you know, childhood friends seem to be getting all married next summer. So I'd like to get a fight in. You know, February, March, even April, and then it's like May, June, July. I got like four or five weddings. One over is in Italy, so I really don't want to have oh, wow. to judge. You know, juggle a training camp around that. If I if I have any kind of say in it, I'll be like, please, just get me going right away, and then then I'll chill, and then you know, get another one near the end of the year or something like that. But. uh Mostly, and I, you know, we've got some things to figure out right now, but I'm hoping early, early New Year. And something that I wanted to ask you in regards to your nickname. Yeah. Junior Bacon Cheeseburger, is that what? That's what it is, man, from Wendy's. Yeah, come on. <laughs> What's the origin of that? What's the origin of that? Oh, that, that's from, um, I was like, the, I've been MMA for my whole life. You know, my first fight was, I was 16, an amateur fight in a church, that Surrey Relay Church, you know, and, uh, so it, just a young kid not really knowing anything about the sport of strength and conditioning, road work, cardio, you know, nutrition, weight cutting, anything like that. I was just like a kid who did jujitsu. And uh, and then so I once I turned, I was an amateur and always, you know, getting into not the most disciplined fighter. And I was the young kid on my on my team. And uh, then when I turned pro like, okay, Jeremy, you're going pro now, man. It's like, it's for money. You know, you gotta, you gotta get in the road work, you gotta get strength and conditioning, you gotta up your diet, you know, be clean eating. And I was like, okay, cool. I got it guys. No worries. Solid. Started running. You know, started. <laughs> then they, they came back to me. It was, I got off my first pro debut bout like booked and I'm like, all right, so how's the diet looking? Like, do you need help with it? What, what can we do? And I was like, no, man, I'm solid. We're good. I, I was like, I switched to Wendy's like, dead serious because they're, they're, they're fresher, you know, the lettuce is crunchy. <laughs> I was like, it's all fresh, never frozen meats. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dead, dead serious too, because I was on, I was a McDonald's guy and just eating junk food, and then I thought wholeheartedly that I was switching it up. You know, you get the fresh lettuce that's you know wet and crunchy, and I was like, all right, iceberg lettuce, iceberg lettuce, you know, solid diet coke. <laughs> you know, we're good. And then uh, they just started calling me JVC, and it just stuck. You know, it was more of like I wasn't like diehard into the JVCs the rest of my career. It was just, I was the junior of the, the, the team and my kind of matches my uh, initials a little bit. So that's JVC. Yeah. It was a good, nice ring to it, you know, and I was JVC and GSP, the two Canadian. <laughs> <icons>. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I had a feeling I had something to do with that, but I just wanted to confirm. Yeah. yeah. Horse's mouth itself. So anytime uh, I go back to BC, I, I get it though. The Wendy's out in, in Vegas is, not up to par for me. I go to oh. mix it up. <laughs> what, what, what's the burger spot in Vegas for you? Oh man, you got there's a few. You can't there's get so me many. There's what's Fuku the spot? Burger. Fuku Burger is like my all time out here, and Skinny Fats has got a lot of good burgers, and it's okay. uh, those are my probably top two that I like. And then you got Lazy Dog. They got a peanut butter and J, PB and J burger. So I I'm smaller. allergic to peanuts, so I can't. Oh, I can't okay, habanero jam, and then with some like almond butter, peanut butter, and some good beef is man, sweet and savory. <laughs> I'll leave. I'll leave that to you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds nasty, but whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, there you guys go. You got the JBC origin story right there. Yeah. All right. Uh, main event time: Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier, lightweight strap on the I line. In terms of odds, we got minus 140 now for Dustin Poirier, plus 120 with the return on the champion, Charles Oliveira. Uh, Jeremy, I'll actually let you kick this one off, man. What, what do you think about this fight? Honestly, like, I love Charles. You know, he's probably my favorite 155er to watch. Um, I just think even when him and Chandler fought, I thought Dustin was the, the number one 
the best lightweight, you know, ever since could be retired. I think he's just durable. His conditioning's good. He's got good striking, good southpaw. You know, you've seen him in, in, in a lot of wars that he's always seems to be coming out on top one too, you know, so he digs deep, he gets it done. Um, I have it. I have him. I know Charles, you know, people have said he's back and forth with his, uh, you know, his heart and his durability to fight in him. I don't think that's the case. You know, he, he wants to win just as bad. You know, he's had unlucky, you know, injuries and fights and whatnot. But I, I'm, I'm going with, I think Dustin gets it done. I think he, he finishes this fight. I know the, I've, I have it in my head that he's getting a TKO in the third round. You know, I laid money on that bet. I think I was at plus 800 or something stupid. So I was excited on that. And I, was, <laughs> I almost can't counting it before it's done, but it's just, I get something in my head and I was like, that's the one, you know, I think, I think he gets it done later on in the fight. Um, I think it's just the durability in the, in the war he's able to, to withstand. I don't think he gets submitted. I don't think he gets taken down and, and, and out grappled. And I think on the feet, he's just going to hit too hard and come with weird angles and just be more durable and, and bring the dog fight out that we don't know necessarily Charles can, can sustain, especially if it goes into the third, looking at a fourth or a fifth, he's never even been there. So uh, I got, I got DP and um, TKO round three. I like it. We, me and you are pretty much on the same page here. I do like Dustin Poirier as well, but I think the money line side here is a little bit volatile considering the fights that Charles Oliveira normally gets himself in. The guy either goes out there and kills or goes out on his shield, right? Like yeah. I think in his 28 UFC fight career, he's only seen the judges scorecards three times. Yeah. Those, most recently being against Tony Ferguson where Ferguson just could not get out uh, yeah. from under him. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He just he he just kept getting laid out on the ground there. So saw BJJ work there from Charles Oliver, as we would obviously suspect. Uh, but here against Dustin Poirier, man, I'd be surprised if he gets stuck in a similar spot. I do think he'd be able to work his way back to his feet, or maybe get choked out on the way trying to get back to his feet, which for me is fine because I like the fight doesn't go to decision here. I guess yeah, super yeah. chalked. I actually have a parlayed with uh, the Tony Kelly and Randy Costa fight doesn't go to decision. That's thing r- roughly around minus one thirty, uh, or that's what I actually got it. At. I think it's probably a little bit higher now maybe a minus 160 minus 170 but I'd, I'd be surprised if either of those fights see the scorecards here again either charles early or dustin starts to pull away a little bit later um another prop that i like here if people have access to it fight won't start round four start is at minus 170 excuse me i think that's a really good spot as well uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if this goes over that uh, 15 minute mark man I, i'd be surprised if we actually have to enter round four for this fight again charles is very much improving with the striking game i uh, used to be a, a legit just bjj guy he used to have a decent kicking game if i'm not mistaken he had tremendous success with kicks earlier in his career but now he's putting his hands together his muay thai looks great uh, he's knocking dudes out now too which you know no, we didn't really see he used to just strangle them in the past uh but dustin poirier in my opinion better boxer uh may not be the better overall mma striker given the fact that charles Oliveira just creates so much chaos with his aggressiveness and kind of just throws technique out of the window at times just to kind of put it on his opponents but i'd be surprised if uh dustin poirier is the guy that wilts to that kind of pressure and that kind of aggressiveness i think he'll counter effectively here uh but yeah i do think we see this go at least into the second or third round and that's where i think that we'll see poirier eventually get his hand raised so yeah i'm in agreement with you poirier round three plus 700 does not look bad to me honestly but uh the fight to not start round four is probably my favorite bet on this entire fight minus 170 on that spot as well all right jeremy on the way out here the one thing that i like to do on the back end is kind of give our 
lock of the night play or your most confident play on the card uh what is the one that you either have the most money on or the the the, the bet that you feel most confident about on this card again I'm, I'm a sucker into building it in my own head i think it's that dustin poirier fight doesn't go the distance um that's what i personally have the most money on as well um but i think that's the kind of lock of the night would be that fight does not go the distance and if you even want to add a little bit more you're going with, with dustin poirier in the third round i like it i like it i like it personally i win with the that doesn't go to decision as well as kelly and uh costa parlayed right. with it like I said, I got around my minus 130-ish for that. Uh, I'm hoping for some violence this weekend, man. I think we, yeah. there's a ton of spots where we can see a fight uh, finish inside the distance. 14 fights kicking off at 5.30 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, so don't get caught napping. It's a little bit earlier than we're used to with these pay-per-view cards, but they got 14 fights, so uh, I'm happy with that. Uh, you got any plans for the fights tomorrow, Jeremy? Are, are you having friends and stuff yeah. over? or I'm hanging what out. What do you normally do? Yeah, I got, I got, I like, me and my wife, we just like, Instead, it's like our ticket, you know, it's, you know, what, whatever it is, 40 bucks each, 35 bucks each. And we get to watch it in our living room. You know, I used to never, I'd always try to stream it and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And you're rebooting it. And I was like, you trying know, to what? find another stream. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm just, we're spending the 60 bucks yeah. and just have me, my wife, and we get to, you know, coach potato it all, all, all day. You know, we start, I get all my workouts done. Like, I'll be fasted, do like two, three hours of training in the morning. So I'm just done and then get to eat everything all Saturday night and watch the fights. It's just, that's kind of what we look forward to. So I'm excited for it. Yeah. If I don't get to go to the fights, I'm staying home. I'm watching staying the fights home. on my on my couch. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. Maybe have a friend or two come over, but nothing crazy, man. I don't want people talking about, oh, what's Conor McGregor doing? Next? Nah, yeah. we're, to, we're watching Dustin Poirier yeah, fight Charles Oliveira. I'm seeing what money I'm making, man. Come exactly. On. <laughs> exactly. I'm waiting for a decision or waiting for this. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I do actually want to ask you this one question, then I'll let you go out of here. Yeah. Have you had a bad beat with betting yet? Where you had you know, a bad decision or a bad stoppage or something like that? Is there something oh. that sticks out? to you nothing that sticks out to me but i have for sure where i'm like oh that kind of i got lucky there or like a, when a decision goes the other way and like i personally i can't think off the top of my head i'm gonna end up dming you about it like for this sure. is the one but i i know I've, I've had a few of them where i'm like oh and i think a finish too i had uh the leg break on i think it was uh, crude uh, yeah Crute and uh smith smith yeah and then i had that uh first round tko and I was, like, I was like, I'll take that one. <laughs> and then same with uh, Uriah Hall. What was the fight that didn't even get started on? I think one of his last ones. Oh, uh, Chris Weidman. I think that was the same night. Same, yeah, same night. Same I had night. both. It was like a, I, I like, I went first round knockouts by accident, both of them, because they were like the automatic favorite or something like that. And it just, I like. It was an accident to make the bets, and then they both came through. And then same with uh, Wei Li and Rose. Oh I bet her to win decision, but it was actually a first round TKO, and they all, all was all first round TKOs. And I was like, made bank on guys I didn't even think was gonna win. I was like, that's the one. But yeah, that whole event, I remember, I messed up on my bets. UFC two sixty three or two sixty three. Right after my, my fight with Borix, yeah, and I was actually yeah. out there cornering Tristan Connolly. <laughs> oh shit! Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> I was like, man, that worked. Maybe Couple you should make notes. mistakes a little bit more often. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, anything you want to say on the way out to the viewers, anybody that's watching this? We normally hit about uh, 2,500, 3,000 views by the time the fight actually uh, drops. Anything you want to say on the back end here, and then I'll wrap it up. 
Uh, no, yeah, just love having – thanks for having me on. You know, I got a bunch of bets that I'm going to go start making now too. I got a bunch of tips here, and uh, you're a wizard, man. I like I liked the uh, the, the um, studying you did. You know, and then it's, it's, a, it's a change it's of pace fine. for you, right? Compared to the who are you fighting next or what, what are you, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's nice to just break down fights and talk. Yeah, talk fun, man. This hour and 20 just flew right by. So I was like, anytime, you know, I'd love to come back on and uh, we'll chop it up and talk some more bets. And it's awesome, man. You're right, right in my wheelhouse. I appreciate it. Maybe we'll get my guy Gary Mangan on here with us uh, as well. Yeah. Too. I'm sure you guys can catch him as well. Stocks. That's it. He's not into the not into the fight bets. <laughs> he, he's a bit smarter than us, if anything. Yeah, yeah. He's a little bit smarter than us, if anything. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, he gave up a cushy six-figure job to pick up MMA. And yeah, uh, yeah. it's working out for him regardless, whether it's yeah, in the yeah. stocks with the accounting stuff. So shout out to him. All right, Jeremy, I really appreciate you taking the time, but I know you got to yeah. get your makeup on. You're heading on over to the World yeah, MMA really Awards was. very shortly. Yeah. Uh, but I do appreciate you taking out the time and and doing this with me uh shout out to the live viewers that we currently have again on the back end here if you haven't already make sure you guys hit that like hit that subscribe then show my guy jeremy some love as well uh links to his social media pages are in the description below hope you guys enjoyed the show let's make some freaking bank tomorrow and i am uh, last uh, stream that i'm doing tomorrow 1 p.m eastern fight day live chat it's all about you guys the viewers you guys are more than welcome to drop by and drop any questions comments concerns you guys have at the last minute i'd be happy to answer those for you guys so that we can try to put some more green in our pocket tomorrow i'm on a bit of a cold run myself hoping to break that this weekend with some nice cashing i'm just banking on the violence this weekend jeremy let's hope we see some uh finishes here and we should be able to be a little bit richer come sunday morning jeremy once again appreciate you coming on shout out to everybody good luck on your bets and we'll see you guys for the last ufc event next week uh chris Dawkins against Derek lewis one last one for the year and then we got a three three week hiatus so let's try to end this thing off with a bang appreciate you guys checking it out and good luck on your bets tomorrow oh man thank you